Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, I wanted to, uh, you know, get with you guys and, uh, you know, kind of inform you guys. We made the decision to start Nick Mullins uh, this week. Really, uh, you know, thought he came into the game the other day and, and demonstrated his ability to prepare and be ready to come in, play in rhythm, um, was accurate with the ball, made great decisions. Um, and I think uh, as of, you know, where we are as an offense right now, uh, it's about our execution with all 11 guys and Nick's comfort in our system, a lot of time on task, you know, logged in our offense, I think will be a bonus for us to, you know, continue to hunt improvement uh, coming off of last week and go try to be as efficient as we possibly can. Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell usually has kind of a natural, easy smile at all times. Not in that clip. O'Connell's frustrated. Yeah. For good reason. Right, right. His offense scored Three points. I mean, think about the swing that we've seen in Minnesota from last year to this year. Last year, O'Connell's first season, offensive guru comes in, the offense explodes. The defense is crap. This year, but for the defense, I don't know how many wins they'd have. They wouldn't have seven. That's for damn sure. The defense has carried that team. You get away with scoring three points and winning a game. I said yesterday, this has been like a perfect weekend for the Vikings despite scoring three points. There was a cluster of six and six teams. They're the only ones in the NFC that won that were 6-6. Six and six. Everybody else lost. Right. It was a gift for them. They get a win. The rest of them lose. They strengthen their playoff position. And they scored three freaking points. No, it's, it's, it, it is amazing how it kind of you know, shook out for them this past weekend. You know, still, of course, very much alive here. And, 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 and with that defense, and if Justin Jefferson comes back healthy, and, of course, Nick Mullins can run the offense – Right? You still look at it and go, damn, Minnesota be a pain in the butt if they get in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to mess with them. Kevin O'Connell game planning with those receivers and that tight end. And Nick Mullins, if he can just, you know, he doesn't need to be Kirk Cousins, but if he can be Kirk Cousins light there a little bit, yeah, 
they'll be a pain in the butt, certainly. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, they can't survive with the kind of outf- offensive output they had last week. That's for certain, and I think that's where, you know, what Kevin O'Connell said. Nick Mullins, why I think we both thought he would start last week against the Raiders. Knows the offense better, been there for a while. I think a better pure passer as well than Josh Dobbs. Not the athlete, but a better pure passer. And I think that's where he'll give this offense a little bit of a boost. I felt like Kevin O'Connell believed he owed it to Josh Dobbs to give him one more chance. Yeah, right. With the understanding that a change will be made if necessary. And he made the change at the perfect time. They got the three points they needed to win the game and advance. And now Mullins has the full week to prepare. He knows the offense. Justin Jefferson was limited in practice yesterday. Earlier in the week, O'Connell said he's got a good chance to play. He suffered that chest injury when he got hit hard on Sunday against the Raiders. But Mullins has experience. He's started 17 games in four NFL seasons. He's 5-12, and 12, but he's started 17 games. This isn't some guy that's just pulling off the turnip truck and saying, go play quarterback. So he's been around. He's been with the Vikings. He knows that system. He knows the personnel. And he gets the chance now. Fourth different starter this year at quarterback for the Vikings. Just like the Browns have had four, the Vikings have had four. And just like the Browns, the Vikings are playoff contenders. We'll see what happens. The other thing we don't know yet, Chris, who's going to be number two? Josh Dobbs may plummet all the way to number three after getting yanked from the starting job. Yeah, I, th- that you know was a little surprising. Uh, again, I I know that you know they like Jaron Hall and they drafted him and all that, but you know what? You know, I I feel like Dobbs will end up being the backup. Are you really going to go wait Nick Mullins and then just go? Oh, he got banged up, and we're going to throw a guy in that hasn't really played at all except for one drive his whole NFL career. That's where I would think I would think Dobbs is the backup of the football game, but but who knows? Maybe they're seeing something that we don't know about. Well, and. I think, as you said, when we first saw Dobbs struggle with the four interceptions a couple of weeks ago against the Bears, this is why he's been on seven different teams. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, right. they, they got every ounce of magic they could out of Josh Dobbs, and it was a great story for a few weeks, and now it's over. It's just over. He's only going to play if one or two guys get injured, and I doubt that they're going to circle back to him in the natural progression of things. I get the impression they're all in with Nick Mullins. They're going to ride or die with him. And they're going to get to the playoffs with Nick Mullins as the quarterback or they're not. But the one thing that becomes crystal clear out of all of this, they need Kirk Cousins back in 2024. And it's in Kirk Cousins' best interest. Whoa, whoa, wait. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Stop the press. Say that again. I couldn't hear you. Say that one more time. I didn't quite hear you. Did you say they should bring back Kirk Cousins? They need him back? What? Woo. What's your what's your alternative? What what did we see from Kirk Cousins in his last full game before the Achilles tendon popped? We saw him play his best game ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. In the National Football League. And he needs to understand, yes, it's the culmination of everything he's done, but it's also the fact that he's gotten into a sweet spot with Kevin O'Connell and they need to build on that next year. Now, look, I think at some point they need to pivot toward getting a long-term 10 to 15 year starting quarterback who can be a franchise guy and make them a consistent contender. But there's still some toothpaste at the bottom of this tube with Kirk cousins that it would be a mistake for him and for the Vikings to not want to squeeze the last bit out and see, see what happens, man. Let's clip that out, clip that out and put that on social media team. Let's get that. You see that everybody, you see that Minnesota. Hey, Kirk cousins, he got down to the last pedal on the flower and he loves you. It's official. 
Damn, this is a, a groundbreaking day. I, a groundbreaking day. Florio likes the quarterback of the Vikings. His name is Akirka Cousins, and Florio loves him. It's awesome. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you appreciate someone when they're gone. Yep, that's right. And Look at you. Look at you. They better get him back. They better get him back. Because and think of how different this this past month would have been for the Vikings if he was continuing. Oh my gosh! Back right, at the level he was right. playing. Yeah. No, it's right. I mean, it, we were it, saying it when they were losing the early in the year. We were both going, I think they're better than last year, even though their record wasn't good. We were watching the games going, they're playing good. There's things that you really like. They just had fumbleitis there for a while. You know, if they don't have that, they would have got off to a really strong start. And I'm with you. You're right, Mike. I mean, if Kirk Cousins was involved in, in this football team right now, you'd sit there and start going, you know, we know who the top three teams are there, but you go, oh, Minnesota is not far off. And are they the third best team in the conference or the fourth best team? I mean, I think they'd be up there in that conversation. I mean, last year, their defense couldn't shut somebody out for a quarter. Like nothing, nothing. They, the defense pitched a shutout and they had to have it. It wasn't just like, oh, it's 24 nothing, and we just put the clamps on them. They needed to hold the Raiders to zero in order to win the game. <laughs> right. And they did. Right. That would have been unthinkable last year. So, you know, I, that reminds me of some Vikings teams back in the late 80s, early 90s. It was always too skewed one way or the other. Defense was too good and the offense Late sucked. 80s, offense it was, was all defense. defense 90s, it was all offense. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yep. It was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at the Chargers, it's nothing. And <laughs> I, it's not funny. It's, but it, but it's it's always something with the Chargers, and now Justin Herbert, guy who who gets out there and plays under all circumstances, and he'd probably try to play with a fractured finger on his throwing hand. He's out for the season after having surgery to repair that index finger fracture. I think that's what we were talking about that the other day. We were talking about the relative importance of the index finger to the other fingers in throwing the football. The least important, I think you said, yes. regardless, right. important enough that once you have surgery on it, you're not playing football. For the next four weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I, this guy, of course, is a, a soldier in the pocket, right? He's he's the best stand-in-the-pocket people around him, quarterback in football. He's tough as hell, Justin Herbert. You know, I thought maybe he, you know, like I said, if it's not too bad of a break, a stress fracture, whatever, maybe you try to make it happen. But obviously there's a little more damage in there than than I thought. You know, I mean when you when you hear surgery, that's when you go, Oh wow, yeah, there's there's something like, you know, maybe ligaments loose along with, you know, serious broken fragments or other issues there to that 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 kind of squashes any hope of trying to grip a football, throw it, release it, or do anything like that. Uh, so the Chargers playing out the string. They're five and eight, third place in the AFC West. They play the Raiders Thursday night. Raiders are five and eight. Somebody's going to end up in last place in the division, and the question then becomes, if it's the Chargers, what changes are we going to see after the season? The Raiders coach has already been fired. Will Brandon Staley be gone? That is all to be determined, and it's all determined by ownership. As I've said in the past, the Chargers are the best dysfunctional team in the NFL. <laughs> They're still in the category of dysfunctional. So maybe they'll keep Brandon Staley, or maybe they won't pursue a coach who's got options elsewhere because they're not willing to pay the kind of money necessary to do it, even though they have Justin Herbert. And I just wonder, Chris, we need to take a break, but like at, at what point is it fair to have the conversation? And I'm not saying I've reached any conclusion. Yeah. I'm just saying at what point is it fair to have the conversation 
then maybe Justin Herbert isn't as good as we thought. I, I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't. You know, first off, you know, think about some of the things you've just said already when you brought up the Chargers. They're the best dysfunctional team in football. Their coach, is he going to get fired on Friday morning? Because we know he's going to get fri- fired after the year. That That's happening, right? There's, there's so many issues there. They're a team that the worst defense. They can never run the football, right? The receivers are good, but not great, right? It's a defense, a head coach, to your point. It's the second. It's the well, it's the what? We had three coordinators in four years for Justin Herbert, right? There hasn't been a whole lot there. He's overcome things. There hasn't been a lot there to help him is what I would say. I think he's a special, special talent. Uh, and, and, yeah, no, I don't think we want to go there yet. Now it's on the organization's, you know, it's on them to start supporting him the right way and making the right investments and assessments on their team because you got one. You got a guy that's special. Now, to your point where he can improve, hey, could he be a better leader? Could he, you know, mother F some guys some more, maybe show some passion, do that? That's where he needs a head coach to come in and maybe bring that out of him a little bit. And he hasn't had that. So he's had a lot of things that haven't necessarily, you know, help him boost up, prop up like we've seen maybe Mahomes had in Kansas City or some other quarterbacks around the football league that have, you know, allowed them to grow into to special, special players. And that's really the question for any quarterback that isn't the natural born Peyton Manning come in and take the place over. How long are you going to tolerate a shit show? Matthew Stafford tolerated it in Detroit for well over a decade. And it finally petered out. It finally ran its course. He finally escaped and won a Super Bowl his first year elsewhere. But how long, if you're Justin Herbert, you're getting deeper and deeper into your career, you're on the front end of your prime, are you going to waste it with the Chargers? Are they going to put the help around you? Are they going to get the coach that's going to get the most out of you? Are they going to put systems in place to keep people healthy? We see guys get twisted up in knots all the time and keep going. Chargers, they've had those injury issues for years now. Can they elevate the rest of the franchise around him? The reason they're the best dysfunctional team is because of him. I'm with you. Yeah. And again, I wasn't passing judgment. I'm just saying at some point when the the team's five and eight. Right. You know, Chris, with all the quarterback injuries in the AFC – it's inexcusable that the Chargers, who had Justin Herbert yeah. up until Sunday, right. aren't better. This is a prime opportunity. No. If you just keep right. your franchise quarterback on the field, that's a huge advantage when all these other quarterbacks are dropping. Yeah. And they still couldn't will their way into the playoffs. No, no. Point well taken, and hopefully you know, they can get the right people there to support them. It's not easy to be that guy that just takes in and becomes Peyton Manning. right? Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning for a reason. He's the sheriff for a reason. They were calling him the sheriff there by the second year in his NFL, right? You know, hey, a lot of football players, and you know how this is too. And again, you know, you, you're growing up, hey, be a team player. Don't say much. Don't ruffle the feathers. Say yes to your coach. You know, your dad's telling you the same thing. Hey, don't be a me, me, me guy, blah, blah, blah. But then it gets to the NFL, and you got to be that way a little bit. And that's a tough adjustment well, for guys who, who, hey, I'm just a team player. I'm the good soldier. Whatever the coach says, I do it. And, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, hey, no, now we need you to mother F guys and take over the organization. And that has to be brought out of guys for the most part, right? Like I've said before, it wasn't – Brady wasn't like that. He got that by winning – 
being, you know, a coach and coaches around him propping him up and guys on his team who were great leaders who were going, hey, you lead, man. Show them how to do it. They're going to follow you too. And, you know, that's what most guys need when it comes to, to that conversation. I think we've identified inadvertently the key ingredient for a guy to come in and be the sheriff like Peyton Manning early in his career. You have to have been the son of an NFL player who played for a shitty team his entire career and took it. (laughs) And it wasn't his entire career. Archie Manning eventually left. But I don't want this to happen to me. I'm not going to sit around and just let it happen. I'm going to take charge. My dad sat around and let it happen. And maybe my dad told me, don't sit around and let it happen like I did. Don't let the Chargers draft you, Eli. Make your own moves here. Go to somebody else. Yeah, it's a very – it's a – it's a valid point, Mike, and I think that's probably part of, yeah, why they are the way they are. All right, let's take a break. We'll see how the 32 teams are configured in this week's power rankings next on PFT Live. Shotgun, Zach Wilson, to his left, is Brees Hall. He drops back to throw, has time, sidearms one over the middle, it's caught, running right, Randall Tapp! pressure he steps up he throws right side end zone caught caught back right pylon demarcus robinson with the go-ahead score matthew stafford playing like an ellipsis dots after dots after dots 30 seconds to go looking looking in trouble trip Apparently, Titans Radio calling the game from inside of a car or something. <laughs> Audio quality, not what we're used to. And how did, I, I'm curious of the choices there. The Rams lost. It's okay. I'm, did we use that because of the ellipsis line that he'd been sitting on I for think years? So. Right. He's playing that's like why. an ellipsis. Right. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, that's why we used it. All that's right, but like, because usually it comes from the, it's the, the, the victor gets the spoils, it, not the loser. That was an incredible throw by Matthew Stafford, who's having a great year, but like, not going to lie, ellipsis, what? I mean, explain that meaning to me there. That's, that's above my pay grade right there. Well, well, if you'd gone to class at Texas, inevitably <laughs> you would have learned about the ellipsis, which is the punctuation device that is three periods oh dot 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 or gotcha. or you may be more familiar with it as the thing that you see on your phone while you're waiting for someone to respond to your text message. <laughs> right okay all right so that's good i had no idea i was one where i was like damn i've heard that word before but i have no idea what it means do i act like hey cool word or should i ask you <laughs> oh, I, just, I do embarrass myself and ask you <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. It's, it's it's great that that you're willing to be authentic and real, and uh, uh, it's good. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to throw in the third word that I was considering. Okay. Authentic and real is where we'll stop, all and right. we'll start with the power rankings presented by our friends at Toyota. This week, once again, what a shock! Number one, the San Francisco 49ers. 
After that, it gets interesting. You asked me the other day about, will the Cowboys be number two? Yeah. The Ravens were already ahead of the Cowboys. And the Ravens beat the Rams, and the Rams are not a bad team. The Rams are still on the first page at number 15. The Rams are a playoff contender. Right. And the Ravens bump up to number two because the Eagles lost. Cowboys bump up to three. Eagles to four. Dolphins fall to five. The one that I think you're going to be most interested in, the one that I struggled with the most because of their record at seven and six, the Bills at number six. But I ask you this, Chris, if not the Bills at number six, who? Look at the next teams. If you don't make the Bills six, who's it going to be? The the Chiefs who just lost to the Bills? The Lions who just lost to the Bears? The Browns don't deserve to be number six. I already bumped them up six uh, spots to number nine. Right. The Jaguars lost two in a row. The Texans lost. If not the Bills, they're they're the only choice to be six. I I don't disagree with you here. I don't, especially when you just talk about, like, quality of play right now at this moment, right? I mean – you know, I uh, yeah, I I don't think you're wrong there. You know, they're they're definitely playing better than the Chiefs. We know they're playing better than the Lions. Yeah, in a head-to-head football game, I'm going to take them over the Browns or the Jaguars or the Texans right now. I hear you, right? I I I don't remember a year. I don't remember a year where there's this few like upper echelon you know, really good football teams. It, it seems like the top tier of football is about as weak as I can ever remember. I, and I'm dead serious. You know, I, I mean, really, it, it's right now, I mean, those top three teams are, and I would put the Cowboys too. I'll just say that clearly over the Ravens. That's where you and me would differ. I don't think you're crazy to have the Ravens at two. I understand it. But, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. I don't remember a year any time in, in you know, recent history here where I went into mid-December and going, man, like who are the really good teams in football other than the 49ers and the Cowboys? And I thought the Ravens were, but they haven't been looking as good. So I'm like a little bit like, you know, where are they? Are they in that top tier or are they going to be on the edge in the top part of that second tier? We'll see. Hopefully this all you know, shakes out towards the end of the season here. And look, this week coming up, the 49ers are at the Cardinals, which they should win that game. And the Ravens are at the Jaguars on Sunday Night Football. If they both win, according to these power rankings, you're going to have one versus two again. We had one versus two not that long ago, 49ers-Eagles. We're going to have one versus two on Christmas night, 49ers-Ravens. And I know that you'd put the Cowboys ahead of them, but they're not going to play again until the postseason. But you know what, Chris? If the 49ers destroy the Ravens, I mean, that 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 makes it even more stunning. Right now, there are four elite teams in the NFL. And there's one crap team in the Panthers. And everybody else is just kind of jumbled based upon good luck, bad luck, benefiting from a bad call, gust of wind, whatever. Like, so many of these teams are interchangeable and... They've managed to win more games than some of the others, but they're all basically the same. But when you consider what the 49ers did to the Cowboys, 42 to 10, what they did to the Eagles, 42 to 19, that's 84 to 29. If they dismantle the Ravens, it just underscores that the 49ers are clearly the best team in football. And the only thing that could hurt them is literally Multiple key guys getting hurt. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to run away with. Yeah. It. I. 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 Um. It has a feel that we haven't really. I. I feel like seen in modern football a whole lot. 
right? Where there were certain years, and, and I know the Patriots, but it has a feel of like 80s and 90s again, where you just go like through 10 weeks, you start to point out a team and you just go, they're like better than everybody. The 85 Bears are better than everybody. Oh, the 86 Giants are better than everybody. Oh, the 89 49ers, they're better than everybody. It's week 12. It's We know. We already know. It's just, are they going to get hurt? Is, you know, are they going to get unlucky? Whatever. And it kind of has that feel of that right now. You know, 92 Cowboys, oh, they're better than everybody, right? It just it seems like right now we have a team that's earmarked as clearly above the rest. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, and uh, we'll see if that, that continues here down the home stretch. Well, and it's going to make for some playoff games that will be edge of your seat from the standpoint of, especially after last year, because the 49ers, I think, were the best team last year. But then what happens early in the NFC championship? Brock Purdy gets injured. So you're kind of bracing and waiting. And if, if I was a 49ers fan, I don't think I'd be sleeping very well at night right now because I'd be obsessed with this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because they've had a great team every year since 2019. But the lightning strikes and the injuries happen and you don't win the Super Bowl. Now, they had the the Super Bowl against the Chiefs won. They're up 10 points with seven minutes left and Patrick Mahomes happened. But they, they I feel like they've been so close and they really do. Of all the teams right now, they deserve to get a championship just as kind of like recognition they've been great the past five years and they've put together an awesome team that deserves the payoff they've made good decisions they've made bad decisions their good decisions are so good they've overcome some really bad decisions like the Trey Lance thing but it just feels like they deserve it based on what they've accomplished in recent years with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch but hey deserve it or not you got to go get it and that's the thing Four more regular season games. We saw how quickly Tyree Kill's injury situation becomes a factor for the Dolphins. If they have another stretch like we already saw in that Browns game, if that happens again, there it goes. And it's wide open for everybody else. And presumably it's Cowboys, Eagles, Ravens after that. But who knows? Who knows? That's the, the Who knows who's going to make the playoffs and who knows who's going to get red hot and who knows where injuries are going to happen that could change everything. Even with this feeling that the 49ers are far and away the best team, I just feel like that's part of the script that's going to lead us to a surprise ending. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, for, for, uh, I hope not. You know, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for my buddy Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the best coach in football right now. They got something special. And like you said, you know, they've been knocking at the door here for, for quite some time. I mean, they go to the NFC Championship game again this year. They'll have been in the NFC Championship four to the last five years. So that, that's a pretty damn impressive run. And, like, to your point, with kind of, you know, bumbling, bobbling, whatever, screwing up the quarterback situation a little bit and being unfortunate there, and to still do that, I think speaks to, like you said, what Shanahan and Lynch have done to build that football team and how special they are in other era areas on their team to overcome you know, the most important position in the sport. Can we, did we show the second page of the power ranking? I don't There's think we did. That I want to make. Because I, I struggled with how to place the Titans, the Giants, and the Bears, who each had upset victories this weekend, but there wasn't a lot of places for me to put them. Yeah. So I just said, screw it. I'm going to tie all three of them for 23. I've never done that before. I think I rarely will tie two teams in one spot. I've never put three in the same spot, but I felt like they all deserve to say we're 23rd. 
neither deserve to be 24 or 25th. None of them deserve to be 24 or 25th. Yeah, and, and, and again, I just, I, there aren't enough spots to go around. And when you're a bad team and you get a big win, I feel like you deserve a bump. And I, I just, it, it was hard to fit everybody in. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I don't know what. I actually, I don't hear you. I mean, make it a damn choice and put twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. <laughs> what would a you cop put? out by Who you. Would you pick out of those. Three? I, I would have made. Right, I would have right. made the Go Bears. Ahead. I would have made the Bears. I think twenty three right now, right for the way they've been playing. Right. I mean, they've looked really good the last few weeks. Went into Minnesota, won. Almost went into Detroit and won. Beat Detroit at home. I would have made them twenty three. The Titans 24 and the Giants 25. I think that's what I would have done. The Titans had the most impressive win this weekend, though. 13-point underdogs pulling out that victory the way they did. That weighed, in my thinking. Sure. And the whole Giants... Giants taking a crap season and not falling apart. I know. You know, there was a point where I'm thinking, Brian Dayball is going to continue this streak. The two years and done. Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge... Brian Dayball, he's going to be out after two years. John Mara's going to fire him just like he fired the last three after two years. McAdoo didn't even get the second year finished. So uh, they've, they've found a way yeah. in the middle of that crap to turn it around, and I give him credit for that. Me All right, too. let's go ahead and take a break. When, when we return, we will be talking a little bit more about the Giants, specifically the Tommy DeVito hype train. Is it going off the rails? Brian Dayball trying to tap the brakes on the DeVito mania in New 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 York New York and New Jersey VFD live back right after this Is there such a thing as a traveler not a delta because we know on one flight Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality so we provide more than 1000 hours of in-flight entertainment while on the flight after 8C is occupied by Jen whose favorite snack is tea That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. staff in New England when the 199th pick came Tom. out of nowhere and took Tom. over the team. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're four games in. A long time ago. Um, yeah, I just say every situation is different. I couldn't give you, uh, couldn't probably give you the answer that you're looking for. Was... Brian Dayball shutting that shit down. Sorry, but you don't want to hear 
one Tommy compared to another Tommy. The other Tommy's the goat. This Tommy's still wet behind the ears. This Tommy's still getting his his bearings in the National Football League. We got a long way to go. And they have a starting quarterback for next year. They're paying $40 million to. Right, right. Which was kind of the situation that, that the Patriots were in in 2001. You you know the the stories, and you've heard the rumors that Bill Belichick was already thinking about moving on from Drew Bledsoe before Mo Lewis made the decision for him. And Tom Brady's career started after Bledsoe got injured right. in September of 2001. They were already thinking Brady might be the guy. I don't know if they're secretly thinking DeVito can be the guy or whether or not it's just fun and we're going to ride it out because we got no other choice. Yeah. They no. do. They have Tyrod Taylor. Right. He's at least leapfrog Tyrod Taylor. Brady had some special qualities, right? Brady, you know, he, he was drafted where he was drafted and hurt there a little bit because Michigan and Drew Henson and people looked at him differently there. So that kind of hurt his stock altogether. But Brady, of course, first had elite size, and his arm was elite, right? And those are two things that Tommy DeVito does not have before we start jumping into that. And, yeah, come on. Calm down, everybody. He's doing some good things, certainly. You can see him grow, but we're, like, only two games out of, like, whoa, like, whoa, they actually had an offense this week. Whoa, they could actually throw. Look at this. I mean, it was only, like, three weeks ago where we're like, whoa, they're completing passes this week. This is amazing. So let's not go there yet. But he's he's gave a spark to the football team. I think that's the biggest thing. The fan base, because he's a Jersey guy and he's Tommy DeVito, right? That's all added to the fun and the, you know, I think the momentum the Giants have. And then he's a good athlete and making some plays with his legs there, right? And that was the big thing the other night. It wasn't good early, but the Packers pass rush kept running by him. And allowed him to run and kind of start getting into a rhythm and a flow of the game. And there he went and made a few good passes. And, yeah, it was impressive. It's fun watching, no doubt about it. But, yeah, I'm not ready to go to to Tom Brady conversation quite yet. Well, and, look, Giants fans got to be careful. You don't want to start like Jets fans. Where you exactly. unreasonably embrace the exactly. backup quarterback until right. you chew him up and spit him out like a chicken cutlet. It's got a very Jets fanish feel right now with this whole situation. Uh, it definitely does, right? Where yeah, we're just it's it's this it's jump on the bandwagon of the underdog or whatever. It's great there, uh, but yeah, we we've seen how that can go, and we'll see how this goes down the stretch. But either way, the, the hey, Giant fans. I mean, like you said earlier, they have not given up. They are fighting, and that's what I love about it. Not tanking for anything or whatever. They're still trying to build a winning culture and toughness there. And, you know, this, this for how they look next year, well, yeah, this year we'll, we'll play into that, and hopefully they can finish strong. Spin it forward, though. Yeah. If DeVito continues to play at an acceptable level for the rest of the season. We get to next year, and Daniel yeah. Jones is back, and he's healthy. You think those Giants fans are going to defer – are going to be silent, are not going to be saying, we want Tommy, we want Tommy, if Jones no. is not playing at the level he was playing at last year. It's got the potential to be a Jets-style mess at quarterback if they don't play it the right way. It, it does. It does. And I think the, the biggest thing here and what Tommy DeVito does have in the line is that he could, he, if he finishes strong and plays well here, he can cement himself as the backup quarterback with the New York Giants. I think that's the positive thing. It's a skill set that's similar to Daniel Jones. They wouldn't have to change a whole lot. 
You know, you could see he's got a little size to him to take some shots and do all of that. So at the very worst, he can be a, or or I guess the best, I should say, is, yeah, quality backup where, like you're talking about, if Daniel Jones stumbles a little bit, yeah, Tommy DeVito's a, a man of the people right now. And if they give him another chance, he might show you he could be the starter for the Giants for a long time. Gabagoots! Boy, you know, you, you weren't on the show yesterday when I when I bared my soul about my feeling that there's a line out there somewhere between celebrating and mocking the Italian heritage. I I'm know. not gonna go back there and reprise it today. Yeah. But there really is. I'm and it's not I'm not saying where the line is. Right. I just feel like there's gotta be a line somewhere between having fun and making fun. And yeah. part of the problem is, frankly, frankly, part of the problem is some of my people all too willingly put on the clown nose and the big shoes and entertain. Am I a clown? Do I amuse you? Am I here to amuse you? Sometimes we act that way. So we can't be surprised when the non-Italians react accordingly if we're entertaining them the way that we want to entertain them. Well, so yeah. Anyway. anyway and, I well, I think there's a little difference, too, when, yeah, it's Tommy DeVito. He's doing some of this stuff. And, of course, like, if I challenge anybody, if you come to a Giants game – right? 60% of the crowd is Italian-American, right? So they're the ones that are doing this too and making all these comments and having fun. My idiot giant friends who, you know, are making fun and having fun with this too, they're all Italian too. So that's where I guess it gives me a little bravery and, you know, I'm married to a crazy Italian Sicilian wife. So I don't mean it as a mocking thing. I mean it more as a, I know, you know, I, know. I love the culture and I'm, I'm, not, I'm around I'm not, it a lot here. I'm not trying I'm I know. Not, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to cancel you. I know. I'm not trying I know to cancel you're not. You. I think there. I think different Italians behave differently in America. Yes. And and I'll give you a quick story. Right. We, we got to move on to another topic. But I I I ran into somebody back in August who knew my grandfather, and my grandfather in the neighborhood where the Italians were living in my hometown, and there are a lot of Italians in West Virginia. A lot of Italians in eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania, yeah. coal mining. Right. The land is similar to southern Italy. They were comfortable here. Yep. So anyway, when my, my grandfather was fought very hard against the infiltration of the Black Handers, yeah. the mob. Right. And, and, and look, the mob is rooted in the idea that in Sicily and southern Italy, there's constant changes in government. You can't trust the government. We're going to police ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves. It kind of went haywire at times, but that was the idea. We take care of ourselves. We're very insulated. We're still Italians. We're yeah, Italians. Right. This is what Italians do. And my grandfather took a stand against all of it. We're Americans now. And I think in response to all this, my grandfather's position would be, we're not Italian-Americans. We're Americans. Right, right. And, and I think some – and I'm not passing judgment. Yeah. You know, some Italian-Americans – are too hooked on the Italian side of it, and sometimes it sends weird messages yeah. to non-Italians right. as to what is and isn't okay. Right, I hear but you. from the perspective of my people, yeah. the attitude was, the man I'm named after, his attitude was, we're Americans now. Yeah, I Italian hear you. Italian doesn't matter. Right. We came here. Right. 
We're right. here now. North Jersey, so, I can speak yes, to our, it. Yes, North Jersey still a little stuck. They're a little stuck in Italy <laughs> still. Yeah, in North Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. To yeah. your point, yeah, not all Italians are the same. The North Jersey Italian, the New York Italian, it's a little more, you know, in your face, aggressive, showman, gaudy, whatever, right? I mean, hence the Jersey Shore show or Real Housewives in New Jersey, right? That's a little what goes on. We're a little crazy in New Jersey of all everybody's crazy in New Jersey and the Italians are part of that craziness as well. <laughs> and and I didn't finish my story. That's my fault. That's on me. My, my, my grandfather at significant economic and, you know, personal peril took a stand and ran him out of the neighborhood. Wow. We are Americans now ran the black handers out of the neighborhood back in the forties or thirties or whenever it was. So anyway, um, I like it. Good right. story. The other topic I wanted, the other topic I wanted to get to, uh, and our friend Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, he didn't write this. And I talked to him last night because it got aggregated and it got re-aggregated. And it's like, I want to make sure that Tom said what he said and he meant what he said because he didn't write it. And he acknowledged there's a difference between what we say and what we write. And you write differently than you talk. And when you talk, you get a little looser. But he did verify that he has reported that Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, made the decision after the loss week 10 in Germany to the Colts to move on from Bill Belichick. He made the decision then. Hasn't implemented it yet. And I think that Tom would agree until it's implemented, the decision could change. But at least a preliminary decision, a not yet executed decision, was made after that loss to the Colts, which makes sense because you could detect the importance that Kraft was attaching to that game in Germany. It was like a Super Bowl. Right. It was a big deal. Right. Big deal to the people in Germany, big deal to the fans, big deal to the team. And that was the game that was just comedy of errors. That yeah. was the, the bad interception. Mac Jones at the very end. Right. Put in Bailey Zappi to run a Dan Marino fake spike like he's practiced that. Are you kidding me? So, um, so that's when the decision was made. We still got four games left. And I think if they would win out, that might change the decision. Not that they're going to win out, but who knows? We didn't think they'd beat the Steelers last week, so who knows? But that's the report from Tom Curran that the decision was made after that. And what's going to be interesting, now that that cat's out of the bag, how does Belichick deal with that? That that perception of disrespect to him, that it was allowed to be known that Kraft has already decided to tell him to go. Yeah, he's not going to love that, right? He's not. I mean... You know, Bill, Bill, for the most part, I think when you look at Bill Belichick, he's never, you know, aired dirty laundry a whole lot. And, of course, we know that organization and his coaching staff is kind of famous for that. So I'm sure he's not going to love that. And he's going to hear those reports and think, of course, they came back from the crafts or somebody got inside information from him. But we'll see. We'll say, I know he's going to give all the answers he always gives. It's going to be a boring, I'm on to Kansas City. I'm just working about this week, right? Whether it bothers him or not, he's not going to show us. And, yeah, we'll see what they can do here. Hey, this is a game where, again, Kansas City's offense, the issues they have, if the Patriots' offense can just look a little like it did last week, they, they can stay in this game. 
we know the Chiefs are – it's nothing special on that side of the ball right now on the offensive side of the ball, and this Patriots defense is good. I wouldn't be shocked to see them hang around and make, be a little annoying for the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not going to pick them to win. I know that, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if we were like in the fourth quarter and going, man, the, the Patriots are only down eight points or ten points or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. We talked the other day about the two sides of the coin based on the outcome of an NFL game, the euphoria if you win, the despair if you lose. If you start stacking wins together, I mean, if they could put another nail in the Kansas City Chiefs coffin Ooh. for 2023, it just it, it builds. Look at what's happening with the Giants. It builds and it builds. And even if the final record is 7-10, and 10, and that's a failure. Obviously, they're already eliminated from playoff consideration but if they'd run the table and they'd do some damage to other teams playoff hopes and you know pummel the jets in the final week of the season i mean it's i think ultimately you got to be sensitive to what your customers want and what they will and won't tolerate and you know maybe maybe as we get closer and closer take it from me patriots fans appreciate what you have before it's gone i appreciate kirk cousins now that he's gone (laughs) For now, I want him back next year. You may, you may be careful what you wish for if you wish for a future without Bill Belichick. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to look at some of the best catches from Week 14 when PFT Live continues right after this. Four weeks remain in the regular season, 64 games. One playoff spot has been clinched by the 49ers. 13 spots are available, and what a scrum it's going to be down the stretch. Today we are going to draft what we believe are the best remaining individual games over the balance of the next four weeks of the season. Chris, I'm in a good mood. I'll give you the first pick. I'd give you the first pick even if I was in a bad mood, but you I am are. in a good mood you're. if you care. Good. You get the first pick. Good. I'm glad to hear you're in a good mood. And yeah, I know you're nice even on bad days. You give me the first pick. Um, I'm going to go to one that you, you hit on earlier in the show. I don't think this is brain surgery here. Yeah, the Ravens versus the 49ers Christmas tonight. I mean, the two number one seeds in each conference, you know, the two teams that kind of look at themselves as the bullies of their conference going against each other. Right, I mean, they played in the Super Bowl in the 2012 season. You know, there's there a lot of things that could be dictated there. The number one seed, whatever, Super Bowl preview. Uh, either way, I, I think that's the one that I look at to be the marquee matchup down the stretch here. I'm torn on this one, but I'm going to stick with that same weekend one day earlier. Dallas at Miami. Rematch of Super Bowl six. I believe it was Super Bowl six, Dallas, yeah. Miami, the Jimmy Johnson Bowl, the Leon Lett return match, even though they're not playing in Dallas, no chance of snow, no chance of blocked field goals being touched prematurely, although that could happen. But the Cowboys need to prove they can beat good teams on the road. The Dolphins, will they or won't they have Tyree Kill? We'll see. But a key game for both teams, Miami trying to hold on to the division title, trying to chase the one seed. Cowboys trying to win the division. Very impactful game for both playoff trees in each conference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's definitely one of the ones I look at. I'm checking, too, to make sure. Yeah, you were right. It was Super Bowl six. so good job by you there. Good job on your uh, your history there. The, that, that, that one, I mean. I think I, the final score, was the final score 21-7? I, I don't uh, that one. Oh, uh, here I, I got it right here. Let me just. I'm I'm choking under the pressure. Anyways, here it's twenty four to three Dallas, right? 
And then, of course, damn of course, Miami will win the next two Super Bowls after that, uh, and the next one being that perfect season. I, I think if I didn't take Ravens 49ers, though, the Cowboys-Dolphins might have been the one I went with first, just to piggyback off your conversation there. I mean, that's going to be pretty unbelievable to see. All that speed on the field, that's all we talk about with those two teams, the speed, and then the Cowboys we know love to play man-to-man, and you're going to play man-to-man all game long against Tyree Kill. Uh, I think that could be very, very interesting. I think I'm going to go – you know, to this week is one of the one of the games I'm going to look at right here. I'm going to go Dallas at the Buffalo Bills. Bills kind of hot, playing some good football at home. Door was cracked open for them in the AFC. Now it's starting to look like it's halfway open for them to come in through the AFC playoffs and be a real player here. So that Dallas, the test on the road, cold up in Buffalo, you know, all of that, that crowd. I, I'm I'm excited to watch that game this weekend. Super Bowls 28 and 29, don't lose your helmet, don't hold the ball low if you're about to score a touchdown, Leon Ladd, his name pops up again, (laughs) but yeah, a a very meaningful game for both teams, Cowboys, this is their first chance in back-to-back weeks to prove they can go on the road and win over a good team. Super Bowl 27 and 28. Yeah. 27 and 28, I got 28 and 29. Well, 29 is 29 is 49ers, Chargers, 30 is Pittsburgh Cowboys. That's all right. I got you. I got you back there, big guy. I got you. All right. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to go, unless they realign the conferences, this will never be a Super Bowl game. The Dolphins at the Ravens, week 17, because that quite possibly will be for the one seed in the AFC. And depending upon what the Dolphins do the next two weeks. They, I mean, they, we've seen this before where a team could go all the way from one seed to maybe even out of the playoffs. It's not impossible for the Dolphins to just fall apart. If Tyree Kill can't play, it's not impossible. They lost five in a row last year in December. It's not impossible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you got to win some games. And when you have the Cowboys and the Ravens back-to-back with the Bills looming, my gosh, and you just lost to the Titans, and the Jets are coming to town, and they're feeling kind of frisky, the Dolphins better turn this around. And uh, they'll have an opportunity, if they can take care of business the next two weeks, to beat the Ravens and maybe even be the one seed in the AFC. So that's a big one looming coming up. No no, no question. And I think the one thing that this exercise shows us and proves to us, at least, is, damn, the Dolphins and the Cowboys got a lot of games of the year coming up. Right. And then you throw in the Ravens. They're second there in this list. I mean, you know, the Ravens are another team. It's it's three out of the four last weeks. You go, damn, that's oh, they got to play them. Oh, gosh. So, uh, man, that's that that's going to make it exciting that we got some high quality football teams and some big moments. And to your point, I'm going to go in that same week you chose Miami and Baltimore and go Detroit at Dallas, Detroit reeling right now, not playing good. I mean, they got to be looking at it going, thank God Green Bay lost on Monday night. Things might have got di- tight and dicey in the NFC North. But, yeah, I, I look at that as an interesting matchup. First off, can the Lions right the ship here? The Cowboys going to be maybe playing for the NFC's title, the second seed, whatever. And then I think you also look at mm, Detroit, that big old line. They can run the ball. Can Dallas stop that? Right, there's a lot of interesting things there. I think throughout that Detroit defense is bleeding a little bit right now. Dallas's offense is on fire. Well, a lot of good storylines with that one as well. Well, and and look, Detroit's just got to win some games now. You know, the Vikings narrative coming out of week 14 was and is 
all they have to do is win the next four games, and they win the division it's because crazy. along the way they will have swept right. the Lions and caught them. Right. But you know what? The Vikings might only need to beat the Lions twice. They could lose their other two because if the Lions don't beat the Broncos on Saturday night and and if they lose to the Cowboys Week 17 and the Vikings sweep them, I mean, well, this Lions team we've seen recently, would you would you, would you you be stunned if they don't win another game in the regular season? It's not likely, but it wouldn't be stunning at least it could come down to the Vikings winning those two and maybe taking the division. All right, I'm going to go to Week 18 because I think this game will be for the AFC East Championship. Oh, you calling your the way shot? It's going to play out. Yeah. Bills at Dolphins, and there's a chance the loser doesn't get in. And even if it's the loser gets in, big difference between home team, road team, wild card round. So we'll know the specific consequence, and maybe that's going to be our game Sunday night to end the season. Bills at Dolphins, but I think the AFC East Championship is going to be riding on it, and maybe the loser doesn't get to the table at all for the postseason. Yeah, it's uh, it's the way Miami's playing right now. Yeah, on some of these games they got, I, I don't think that that thought is crazy at all, and that would be awesome to see those two teams go at it in the last week of the season to, to figure out seeding, home playoff games, and all of that. All right, we'll take a break and wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. December meetings, the owners get together every year at this time. One of the items on the agenda, Chris, a proposal to increase the minimum number of international games each year from four to eight. And as you said during the break, with colorful language, there's no way they're going to vote against this because, again, it's more money for the people who don't need it. That, that's right. I mean, you know, when it comes to votes, this one's silly. We know where this is going. I mean, yeah, they're printing money as it is, and they can print more money as we expand into other continents, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big part of the game. I expect it cl- clearly to be uh, passed, and it, and it should be. It should be. We're seeing there's a real wanting of, of football in some of these countries over in Europe. And, of course, it's succeeding by ticket prices and just the excitement around it. So, you know, I'll, I'll be excited to see more of those type of football games here in the future. For as long as they have 17 regular season games, and I believe at some point the NFL is going to try to get to 18, maybe they'll never be able to pull that off because of the health and safety concerns. But if it's at 17, there should be 16 international games or 16 neutral site games. It's not fair for some teams to get nine home games. Yeah, I hear that. Some teams get eight and other teams are, you know, that would have had nine, their ninth home game ends up being played in London or Germany or whatever. Let's just do everybody does a neutral site game. Eight at home, eight away, one neutral site. That's what they should do. That's a good way to do it. I I like that formula there. That makes sense. That does. And then, yeah, you know, you expand the game. Uh, We're seeing around the globe, people are starting to understand football, the rules, all that, the excitement. And I think the you know, tactical aspect of football, once people learn it, start to go, wow, this sport's really cool. Uh, so hopefully it continues to grow that way. Billion-dollar business becomes a trillion-dollar business if the international experiment works. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.